Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. I'm Ryan Parker and I'm joined, as always, by Matt, Sage Burning, take a week off Chamberlain for personal reasons. Hey, the Celtics were out, so I had to be out also. I'm, I'm part of the team, okay? I was uh, referring to your best friend Kyrie Irving, who went MIA. Yeah, him and I have been hanging out. <laughs> I've solved the mystery. That's where he's been. Well, thank you. That's breaking news. Maybe we can get Woj to retweet our podcast here. And it's Kai Irving, as you've seen by the Zoom. It's Kai, K-A-I. Oh, now, sorry. It's not Kyrie. Sorry. Rebrand. Um, also, question. Uh, did you guys work out the flat earth thing? <laughs> no. TBD. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, did you... Did you find out if he ever went to any of his Duke classes, too? Super no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're new to uh, listening to Couch GM Podcast, we usually do one of two things. We either usually cra- crap on the Knicks or Kyrie Irving at some point, and we're just getting one of those things out of the way. Yeah, the, the Knicks are not on the schedule, on the docket so far. But, you know, creative minds always <laughs> find a way to build it in somehow. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, if you're new, uh, welcome to episode 97. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram. You can search for the Couch GM Podcast. Uh, as we approach episode 100, Matt, I mentioned last time that we're working on rebrand. Maybe episode 100. Maybe that's it. It's a perfect launch. Maybe maybe it is. I just You'll have to see on social media, yeah. I guess. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast podcast platform of your choice and also give us a rating or review uh that would greatly we would, that would greatly help us out matt we're on episode 97 what people miss on episode 96 and that's not even you because that's me you're doing the news <laughs> so i'm not throwing that to you uh if you missed episode 96 i'm gonna give you a quick recap uh young nicks uh young kings excuse you me you got the nicks on your mind now right now uh young kings uh get some trade demands going like marvin bagley right De'Aaron fox's dad tweeting out yeah like know. trade him yeah I, i'm kind of here for it ryan it's just uh going downhill i said i was back on the king's bandwagon and then they sucked again. immediately they're like all right guys we need to take it a step back yeah it's bad get our boy De'Aaron out of there yeah we've been uh on that bandwagon for a bit Get. Basically, he got drafted, and it's like, all right, get him out of here, please. <laughs> let's, go, let's go play some more fun, please. Um, we also talked about the Cavs and Knicks being pleasant surprises. Got a lot of Knicks hype this week on other podcasts. Matt, I don't know if you've listened to any other uh, major podcasts, but a lot of Knicks love out there. Yeah. I mean, there's also got to be now, I mean, again, that was two weeks ago, some realization that, um, oh, yeah, this team can't shoot. But, <laughs> but... um. At the time, again, the defense is, is something they've got going for them. And uh, Thibodeau's getting them to play hard so far. I mean, since he's playing Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett the whole game. Yeah, if you've been keeping track, R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle are like the top minutes players in the league. Right, and so like that's just wild. And there's no way that can keep. Oh, and, no, no, no. And if those guys are on the court, I'm a little worried about who is playing for them. But... Um, again, a nice storyline to start the season. The Cavs also super, super, super very much, surprising. very much interested by the Cleveland Cavaliers. On the flip side of that, we talked about the Raptors and Nuggets, who are kind of off to a disappointing start to the year. Uh, the Raptors have since dug themselves even in a bigger hole. Uh, speaking of that, we had uh, league pass watch teams. Matt, you had the Pacers, who played out uh, six games and were four and two. Um, and then I had the Raptors, who uh, play, also played six games and were two and four, and they're currently playing Charlotte while we're recording, and I think they're ahead right now. But the Raptors have done this thing where they play in super tight games and then lose at the very end. So Yeah, don't recommend that. Um, I, would, I would try something else. They Whereas, had like back-to-back nights there where Siakam had a chance to win it at the buzzer and, and just missed. couldn't finish it. Right. And uh, the Pacers, again, six, six fun games there. Even the, the losses were close. And uh, we we knew they had an interesting schedule coming up when we talked about them last and see, like, are they kind of real or are they not? I think they're proving for the most part. Yeah. But then they they go and do things this week. And um, I don't know where they stand anymore, Ryan. So we'll talk um, on them because, going into the news now, James Harden has been dealt to the Brooklyn Nets in a mega four-team deal that involves, obviously, Brooklyn and Houston. 
the Indiana Pacers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. All, all mentioned already. That was weird um, to, to have thrown them already a bone there. But we'll talk on that for our main topic, so not to spend too much time there and how James Harden got himself out of Houston. The other, I would say, major point has been the NBA COVID crisis. This got this gotten downhill really quick. Yeah. Like, w- the postponements and all that stuff has just started raining in. Um, it's like we had game one with Houston and OKC, like, yeah. right at the beginning of the year, and then, like, we were fine, and then now we've had, like, 20 games postponed in the last two weeks. Yep. And a lot of those were in Boston, was dealing with issues, so it's just, like, in Washington has, like, six current players tested positive um has been reported amongst other and other teams as well so it's just like the league went from feeling really good to all of a sudden it's like they're not scrambling but i mean they they keep saying we got you know days and buffers built in when (laughs) you know i mean we only had the schedule through march 4th so far but it's like okay how long is the season going to push out then if you're trying to make these up um or is there a minimum a team has to play that we don't know about um that's not 72 games i'm not sure there's been discussions now on should teams be able to expand rosters um to 17 19 20 players maybe in order to be able to still play these games which i'm doing wrong you definitely could it's just what talent are you putting on the floor at that point yeah then the brand gets bad i mean there even something within that like a counterpoint to that is like well you're then exposing more people to this like you're bringing more people in so it's kind of this push and pull of like okay you can bring 20 people in but then you're also having 20 more chances to get covid sure and spread it right all that so and we've seen some teams um like philly been forced to try and play a game (laughs) with effectively seven players even though the league requires eight they made mike scott be eligible which i'll I know I, I didn't put this on, on the dock, but Ryan, I wanted to get your thoughts. So Philly was going to have like nine players available with Simmons and Bede and the seven other guys. Philly essentially was like, no. And so the day of the game, then they put Simmons and Bede magically on the injury report. And the league told him to F off and said, <laughs> activate Mike Scott then and, and play the game with seven guys. And Philly was like, all right, fine. What? I mean, from the Philly side, from the league side, any any issues here, Ryan? I mean, obviously, like, if you're the league, like, that's super frustrating. Like, one of the whole reasons you're trying to get these games in is because you want, like, revenue coming in. Right. And if you have a team kind of actively going against that policy, it throws a wrench in things. They're uh, kind of making up two injuries just so they don't have to play it right now yeah. and can play it later. And I understand from, like, the Philly side being frustrated of, like, being forced to play the game because you're un- you feel you're undermanned and... Like, it doesn't behoove... They were playing Denver also. Right, like a major... It wasn't like you're playing, like, the Magic or even the, like, lowly Timberwolves this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, I would be pretty frustrated if I was 76ers if the league was trying to force me into this game. It's like, well, I don't want to injure someone like Tyrese Maxey, who's having a nice year. Right. Right? Like, he's having to play... Had a big game, too. Yeah, yeah. Having to play, like, 40 minutes that leads to injuries right? right and like you don't want you want that either so i get it from both sides i would probably lean if i were like around a team i would lean more frustrated if i were in the 76er camp because the nba has said like we have flex days we have flex days if i'm the 76ers why can't i use those flex days right i think from the league it's like if Embiid and Simmons, like, they weren't on the injury report on that Friday. Yeah. Um, I, Embiid was on it, but for health and safety protocols, like, they were contact tracing, and, like, maybe he was involved or not. Simmons just wasn't on at all. And so then on Saturday, when they showed up on the injury report with, like, knee soreness and whatever, League's like, okay, you're doing it to hold him out and, like, right. force our hand. So it's like, part of me is like, I don't hate the League for telling Philly to, like, Okay, if you're going to try and, like, play the system, the system's yeah. going to tell you no. Right. I, so I don't necessarily blame the league for that. Now, like, maybe this is just, like, me coming from, like, a Boston fan perspective of, like, yeah, make Philly play with seven <laughs> guys. But at the same time, it's, like, I mean, the Celtics, you know, have been playing, like, without Tatum. Yeah. Um, now that they're back in action. And, like, it's Jalen Brown and Peyton Pritchard. Like, right. that's what we got going. And, like, you know, playing the game. And if you win the game, great. If you lose the game, I mean, don't wrong, I don't want to lose. But, like, so be it. So like I don't 
I get the frustration from Philly's side because like you don't want to play with nine guys, you don't play with eight guys, you don't play with seven guys, but like other teams are. So like get over it to a, to a degree, get over it. And it's like you if you play in Beat and Simmons, you might have actually still won the game. Right. Like Denver sh- at the time was really struggling still. So it's like you might have just still won it. So just knock it out now when Denver doesn't have it figured out like they might have it figured out in two months. March, whatever right, when, it is. When that yeah. flex game comes back. And who knows what you're doing at that point. So, I mean, just those are the type of stories, though, that are, those are going to keep popping up the more we go over the next several months. Um, we're going to see more and more of that. And I don't know, maybe the league didn't love the way they, they were perceived about it, and they will allow it from now on. I wonder but, if the league somehow, like, gives the teams options kind of like in that case it was a home game for philly right if like okay so you're have eight guys you can play it now if you choose not to play it you're forfeiting this home game essentially you don't have any fans but like you're still having to travel maybe an extra day there um something like that i wonder if some sort of system could get worked out it's an interesting thing of like just like saying like we're good yeah. We'll take the L on this if we yeah. don't have to play it seven, eight guys. And we can rest and beat in Simmons a bit more. I I think the league would really hate that. Because the they're like the competitive spirit of it all. Like you're not even yeah. willing to throw someone out there to like try it. So I don't know. I I I don't even know really completely how I feel on it. It's just I wanted to get some thoughts out there. Alright, so now we'll go on big topic. The uh the Jarrett Allen trade. So your boy your my boy your, most improved player um, i the disrespect can end <laughs> at least right. i hope um yeah this is a wild week i i don't like i, I don't know how you would approach this but well, when you got the notification what was your reaction we'll so i mean it started on what like tuesday right whenever it was uh i got a notification that harden had a quote like post the game like yeah I can't, this can't like this team can't be fixed yeah. and it was like oh my god he's like right. really just just letting does not care right. letting it fly it and then like a notification the next day it was like well we're keeping Harden away and it's like all right we're getting close to a trade then because they're not gonna keep him away for like a week week and right. a half uh, I was shocked that it was the Nets absolutely shocked because like the for the most part it feels like the nets have kind of kind of panicked uh after this whole irving business i think this plays into it too is that they don't really know what Kyrie is gonna do and like that kind of forced their hand a little bit in this trade that was my immediate reaction i would so i totally understand that totally understand that um i was like at practice when i got this notification with my my team and it's like i got it and i was like yeah yeah like (laughs) like not even like i don't even know if like the brooklyn part of it like even fully processed yeah as much as just like yeah they had to like there is no way houston could keep him especially after that press conference where he took like two questions and was like i gave it i gave the city everything i i did all i could this team, I mean, basically just said, this team sucks. Like, <laughs> this team's not doing anything. Um, and I'm, so, like, I, I, I'm gone. As, that's in layman's terms what he said. And so, it's like, yeah, he was getting dealt. And I, I really don't think it was really anyone besides Brooklyn or Philly that was going to get him. I, I think I was genuinely to that point. Yeah, with the way he's been kind of uh, playing on the court so far this season, I could see it's hard pill to swallow for teams like... What we've talked about in other podcasts, like for the Nuggets or the Raptors to try to swing for the fences when he's really just malcontent and not playing very hard. Um, I don't know if you saw this. I think it was a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, a local broadcaster for the Rockets got caught on mic saying he quit like during the transition to commercial. Um, and it's just like stuff like that. Like you can tell, like James Harden was just like not giving his effort. And if you're someone like the Nuggets, like if he shows up and hates it and just stops giving effort, you gave up Michael Porter Jr. Let's say, who may have may not be the best player, but he's at least putting in that effort. I mean, he's averaging more than James Harden the last five games. <laughs> so there's but, that. But right, and he's in better shape. So there, there was 
so much obviously going on with James that they're right that it really had to come down to just these two of like I mean Daryl Morey in Philly like I know yeah. James like I know him and then with Brooklyn like Kevin Durant be like I know him like, like they could make it personal for him to like come in and like get himself together so with Philly with all this going on I know we talked about this um the other day was was Simmons 100% on the table here oh 100% so was Simmons and picks on the table if I'm Philly you don't get anything outside Ben Simmons I'm not selling anything outside Ben Simmons Simmons is Simmons and Thibault. Oh yeah, Simmons like, Thibault can go all the way to Houston. Like everyone's like holding on to this Matisse Thibault type. I'm here to tell you that dude's not even getting rotation minutes right now. He can go wherever he, wherever I please. I was very against Matisse Thibault when he came into the league, and I couldn't figure out why everyone else loved him. And now I feel validated. <laughs> um, but I, like you know, Simmons Thibault and like a salary filler guy. Like I feel like that was on the table, but like. Yeah. You know, Maxi, not on the table. Like, no, they no, can't no, do no, that. No, no, even, no. like, borderline, like, Shake Milton, they're like, I don't even know if we can do that at this point. So, and especially picks, like, it would have to be, like, top 25 protected picks. Like, heavily, heavily protected picks, if any picks are on the table. And so that's why I just kind of thought it came to a point of, like, if it's not straight up Simmons for uh harden that deal's just not realistically happening right so when i saw this brooklyn it's like okay i mean if brooklyn is willing to sell the farm again which they did 10 years ago they've done this trick before yeah then so be it like if that's the deal that basically was only one really out there that interested houston the slightest then so be it and so real quick running through what uh the teams got out of this so the nets obviously get james harden and they got a 2024 20, second from Cleveland, which might not be bad. Who knows? Um, the Rockets, they acquired Karis LeVert, who they then flipped for Victor Oladipo. They also acquired Dante Exum from the Cavs and Rodion's Crooks from the Nets, who was a nice, actually, starter rotation guy two years ago and then had some off-court issues last year, so he fell out of the rotation, but he's a legit NBA player. Um, and then, most importantly for the Rockets, they acquired first in 2022, 2024, and 2026 from the Nets. They also acquired a 2022 Milwaukee first via Cleveland. Um, and then pick swaps in 21, 23, 25, and 27. So, depending on how you want to look at that, eight picks, four picks, whatever. Um, the Pacers, again, they got in this deal by dealing Oladipo. So, the Pacers got... Karis LeVert and a 2023 second from Houston, which again might actually be a pretty good pick. And the Cavs, just out of nowhere, um, for Dante Exum and that Milwaukee first, got Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. Just a steal there. Yeah, just absolute, absolute steal. I think uh, the the sneakiness of this Cavs getting into this trade is yeah. just brilliant. I, I really love it. We won't start too much with the Cavs, though. Let's, from the team perspective, let's go Brooklyn first, obviously, since they got... The MVP, James Harden. How is how is this going to work, Ryan? Help help educate me because I'm I'm struggling a bit. It's going to be a lot of um, it's going to be interesting if to see James Harden if he can play non James Harden ball, which is ISO, stand in the corner, uh, and watch James Harden dribble for multiple possessions. Um, the craziest thing for me is like James Harden and Kevin Durant pick and roll may be now the most deadly second most deadly like incredible it depends if how you view lebron and ad pick and roll um but i mean yeah like james harden kevin durant pick and roll is just gonna be incredible um the tricky part is balancing out all the chemistry and egos there now because james harden and kyrie irving don't have a history together really but james harden kevin durant do sure um the depth uh brooklyn Clearly decided to do away with any sort of depth here. It's like Jeff Green now is like very important for this team. Right. Like Landry Shamit's getting a lot of backup guard minutes. Sure. Um, DeAndre Jordan is now the only center on this roster. Uh, and After getting benched yeah. for Jared Allen. Because Steve <laughs> Nash is like, wait a minute. Jared Allen's a thousand times better than you. Yeah, Jared Allen is a clearly better player. Um, 
defense is going to be really questionable on this team. Yeah, I'd say if the main issues before were chemistry and defense, don't feel like James Harden solves those, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it's going to be a, obviously a, a lethal o- offense, um, but when it t- comes time to get stops, are those three main guys going to be locked in and ready to get stops? One of them can at times in Kevin Durant. James Harden has shown flashes at times, but Kyrie Irving oftentimes bites off more than he can chew, like trying sure. to guard Giannis Antetokounmpo in the post. Sure. Um, I am very hesitant on how this will work. I'm in the same boat like you. Um, but if you're selling it, it's we can score more points than anybody else, and we have some of the three best players in the league try to beat us, right, in a seven-game series. Sure. Um, which is going to be – you're going to be hard-pressed to find teams to beat these guys – in a seven-game series. It's like, as weird as it sounds, this team could legit average just like 125, 130 right. a game. Right, And it's just like, there's just only like a handful of teams that could even consistently, in like a 10-game stretch, hit 135 times. Right. Right. And like, so, and we're saying like, honestly, Brooklyn might hit 125, 130 just about every night. So I, I totally get that side of it, right? Like, it's... It's really playing the math game, just to yeah. an extreme level. Um, but you have to have extreme amounts of talent to be able to make it work, and and they do. It it does get into a bit of what you started to talk about there, which was like who's who's kind of the odd man out here. Yeah, because we've seen this with every three man super team. It's one guy always has to take a little bit of a backseat. It's got to be Kyrie, right? Like, I don't. There's no way it's Harden. I would say it's Kyrie, but with Kevin Durant's personality, he could be the one kind of taking that back seat unintentionally. And just on incredible efficiency, still hit 25 points a game by himself. Yeah. Because we've seen that before, right? Yeah. Like, in Golden State, it wasn't like he was taking over games necessarily. He did when he needed to, especially in those finals against the Cavs. Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson dominated the ball sure. a lot of the time. And then Kevin Durant sometimes would ISO... Uh, and take over. Um, I would lean to Kevin Durant taking that backseat more than Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is the nature gonna, of his game. Yeah, is just going to touch the ball more. You can move Kevin Durant off ball and not feel like you're wasting his talent. Yeah, because I mean, as a catch and shoot guy, I mean, the dude will shoot like eighty percent based off the amount of open looks right. he would get. Like, right, because that's something else that you mentioned the pick and roll with um, Harden and Durant. Even just the idea of, like, if Harden's like, let me get one of my ISOs. Yeah. Okay, is is whoever's guarding Kevin Durant going to help off? Yeah. Like, if you do, bucket. If you don't, probably a bucket or a foul, <laughs> and James Harden's going to the free throw line. Like, that's just kind of how James Harden works. And it's like, if he's been able to get P.J. Tucker, open looks, Robert Covington, Eric Gordon, Ben McLemore, Daniel House, like, wide open looks for years now... I can only imagine what happens when it's Kevin Durant shooting that shot. And, right. Or Joe Harris shooting that shot. That's another good guys. point. I wonder how much that lineup will get played, though. The Irving, uh, Harden, Harris, Durant combination will get played. Uh, I hope a lot. Like, it's what you, should be played. Yeah, you hope it's a lot. Just defensively, it's like, who are you throwing in there? Like, is Durant playing small ball five at that point? And you have to bring in, like, a Jeff Green or someone like that. I mean, that. I guess Green's technically a small ball five. But, like, right, like, who... Who who's guarding the Giannis? Who's yeah. guarding the Embiid and the Simmons and the Tatum's and the Browns of like the top Eastern Conference teams? Like that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like Joe Harris is a nice defender, yeah, but like, scrappy, but like he's not a number one defender on a championship right. team. He's like a two or three, like and that's good and fine. Like Durant in flashes can be like a number one defender, but not for forty minutes a night. Like he's never done it because he's not what a team really needs him to do right and right like jeff green if you're relying on him for defense i mean he can play fine defense for 20 minutes a night but like that's it so there there are a lot of problems there's no stopper on this team obviously it's not you don't even have a center to like, really protect <laughs> right to like, anchor and protect the rim and stuff what like you that. and i've been saying about deandre jordan it's like everyone has come to realize now yeah it's just like this guy's been cooked for two years <laughs> and now it's like if, it, if people didn't realize it the first 10 games of this season, they're going to see it in the next 10 games that right. they play. Like, he's just not... Like, honestly, 
I, I know I was way, way, way higher in the draft on Reggie Perry out of Mississippi State, who they've actually played a decent little amount here um, and played him over DeAndre Jordan the other day. He might just play Reggie Perry. They also have Nick Claxton. Yeah, who we still, liked last year out of Georgia. Yeah, also. who could still possibly get some backup minutes there. I mean, you're obviously not going to – he's not going to be in the playoff rotation unless he makes a huge step over these next several months. Um, I mean, they're playing the buyout market. Right. In the future. Yeah. It, I guess to that point, it, it still feels like this Nets team is maybe one move away from oh. getting like a perimeter defender of some sort. Um, and I'm sure there will be some available. I mean, Trevor Ariza might be available here pretty shortly uh, from yeah. Oklahoma City. Whether it's via trade or buyout. Right. Yeah, I would think at some point he's he's definitely going to come available. And other teams, even just like coming out like Toronto, if Toronto just continues to struggle. Could right. you try and steal some guys from there or orlando if their season really starts going downhill could you go try and grab a terrence ross or something like those guys are going to be out there maybe not now because it's kind of like that jimmy butler situation a couple years ago this is so early in the season yep when and that's something you and i talked about was like this could blow up by game 10 or 12 and sure enough it did (laughs) right like james harden got on the court with these guys in houston and he's like no yeah (laughs) so like I would say the Nets. We're probably not going to know who the Nets are until mid-late February. Yeah, trade um, deadline time. Yeah, see like who they really bring in and and what they've gelled to by that point. And they would still have time after that to continue gelling and, and meshing some of these things out. But I I can't knock a team from bringing in James Harden. I don't feel like because, again, we've talked about before, you get the star, you win the trade. But the the fit isn't isn't as clean as the Anthony Davis trade, for example, yeah. or the Paul George yep. trade, for example. Um, it's one of those, not it's not the same as the Westbrook trade um, to Houston, but it, it feels a little closer to that of like, I get why you're doing it. I don't know if it's going to work, but I get why you're doing it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just get the overall sense that the Nets kind of had to send a message to Kyrie Irving too is like, we can do this without you. Like you're yeah. not like the centerpiece for this championship now. Um, and we're not going to wait around on you essentially. Um, because the Sean Marks, the GM for the Nets came out and during this week had said, yeah, I'm not happy with like Kyrie Irving missing this time. Um, and like, just not communicating about it either. Right. He's just like doing his own thing. He's really just on his own. Um, which from the team perspective can be frustrating. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think this is going to be an interesting fit. We, uh, Kyrie Irving obviously hasn't been on the floor yet for the Nets uh, with James Harden. James Harden just made his debut tonight um, with the Nets as of this recording. So there's a lot to figure out there for the Nets. Um, I I hate trading away Jared Allen in this trade, but I mean, I mean you got to make it. the salary work. Right. Because like, that's part of it as much as anything. Um any any comments on the 2024 second round pick from Cleveland? I mean, that could be like a 35ish pick. Yeah. So like that's their I mean, 40 pick, which is not terrible. No, if you're since you don't have any more picks, yeah, it'd be nice to have. All right, going on to the Rockets, um, the other major team involved in this. So the first thing is they actively chose Victor Oladipo over Karis LeVert. Yeah. Is, is that a good good idea? So I think this is the rocket signaling they're ready to tear it down. Like, tear it to the studs. Um, because Victor Oladipo, after the summer, or after the season, is a free agent. Right. Uh, and you would think if you're wanting to build around someone like Karis LeVert, or rebuild, or retool, or however you want to say it, you would want a Karis LeVert back in this James Harden uh, trade. And like Victor Oladipo, you get off his money, you get off that money, um, but you get the slew of picks that you got. Sure. And so you can build this team however you want. And you're not necessarily locked into one person like a Karis LeVert. Um, locked into John Wall. Locked into John <laughs> Wall and Boogie Cousins, I guess. And Christian Wood. Which Christian Wood? Wood's good. Playing nice. I mean, I, I don't... I'm, he's nice. I we He had kind of a breakout season last year. And we thought, okay, good stats on a bad team. I think that's the same application here is it's good stats on probably a bad team, not a playoff yeah. team at this point. But I do, I do understand your point of like, if they could just choose like not to bring back Oladipo or right. like right. offer him a three for 60 or something like something right. like he probably feels he's probably like a three for 90 guy. 
and it's like we'll offer you 20 a year not 30 or something like that and if you don't take it go go find it somewhere else and like we're cool with it but you're right it's it's the picks that that make this trade um for houston trying to recoup some of what they lost um sending russell westbrook uh or acquiring westbrook and sending out chris paul again wild (laughs) just absolutely wild um there but so i obviously that's the most important part of this and again it's not the even the 2022 picks that are important here it's the 24 26 first it's the 25 and 27 pick swaps yeah that again obviously even with Kyrie this year who knows what this dude's ever going to do right and and you and i've been talking about that now since we started this podcast and uh, you know by that time durant will be in his upper 30s James Harden's going to be his mid upper thirties. It might not even be with the the same Nets team. Right. Exactly. They might not even be there anymore. So those picks could be, and they're completely unprotected. Right. The swaps completely unprotected. So it's like, you could have top 10 picks four straight years and who knows if the Rockets are good by that point or not, or if they're also picking in the top 10 or in the lottery. And so it's now you got two top picks for years to come. And that as much as anything, that's why I'm, kind of okay with them taking Oladipo. I would rather have Levert. Just kind of straight. Yeah. Up. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree with you. I would I would want Levert back in this deal, but I can understand the theory and logic behind going after Oladipo. If you're the Rockets, you're risking being bad for the next decade. Like yeah. that's essentially what you're looking at. But you might also get the next whomever in that 2024 pick. You know, if that pick right. is really really good by that point. Or if you just really suck, might, you might just have the number one pick. You might have two top to, top ten picks, right. right? And maybe it's your pick that's actually the number one pick or the top yeah. three pick in the draft or something. So you might get the, you know, the Cade Cunningham of whatever that year is, like, coming up. So I don't, that's why I don't hate it because I think one way or the other, whether it's via their own picks because they're really bad or those way out future picks because Brooklyn's really bad. You can still get a star, yeah, and develop him. So yeah, you're right. You might be bad for four years, then get that guy. Still be bad for probably another two years, but then you really have something building forward. If you're willing to play that long game, this works. Or now you have more picks you can trade. <clears throat> the interesting thing here: new GM, new coach. Are they thinking that long term? Because like after a certain extent, those excuses, what have you, of like. Well, we're not. We don't have the talent. Kind of get old for right. an owner, right? Um, so I mean, it's going to be interesting for the Rockets specifically how the rest of the year this year plays out. Because if they end up missing the playoffs, what do you do now with John Wall? How do you proceed with Christian Wood? Because you kind of, I would imagine, sold him on making the playoffs, being the center sure. co-star, maybe with James Harden. That's not a thing anymore. Um, but you can always flip maybe Wood next year for some more picks. Probably right? a lot. Yeah. You know, if you've put up good stats. The wall bit, I mean, it. the contract feels untradeable. We said that earlier, and it happened, though. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe if he looks... If he's playing... I mean, if he's playing well. Yeah. I was going to say rehabilitated, but that sounds like a dirty word. <laughs> um, you know, it's like he was, like, doing drugs or anything. Um, but, like, if his career is rehabilitated, like, then it's, like, maybe some other team talks themselves into it. Right. And, like, you know, they need that a, a point or something. So, in Orlando or something. So, you know, I I don't think the Rockets are stuck. I don't think the Rockets necessarily have to be terrible. But that's kind of where I see them going. And as long as maybe there's no fans there, maybe it's just, like, what? who cares? Right, right. right. Like, whatever. So, I... Again, it's hard to be the team that loses James Harden and think, like, you made out of this good. But knowing the picks they lost to OKC, this seems about as maybe as good as they were going to get, especially after the Harden comments. Um, I, and there's not there's no more picks they could have got from Brooklyn. Yeah, like I mean... They, the, the Houston, like, the comments, like, didn't really hurt this trade, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it didn't poison the waters enough because he still had another two years left on his deal. Like, if he was an expiring contract, I think it would have been oh, a yeah. way different situation. We would have seen uh, maybe like a Kawhi Leonard return where it's just like you could have got and some stuff. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but the I mean, obviously, the pick swaps are 
what's the money here? Um, which is really exciting for Houston. I mean, like, you have something to look forward to um, in the future. As of right now, like, your team wasn't winning. I think we talked about this before the season. I think you asked the question, like, what is Houston's championship window? And we both agreed. It was, like, boarded up, closed, glued down. Like, it's just, like, the it's closed. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the rebuild starts in Houston, I guess. It's going to be a bumpy several years for yeah, Houston. For sure. So we'll go to Indiana next since they did acquire uh, Karis LeVert as well as a 2023 second from Houston and the deal for Victor Oladipo um, and that uh, Milwaukee pick. Or no, sorry, that one came from Cleveland. But so with Karis LeVert, now today we learned that interesting news of he's out indefinitely. Mm-hmm. They found a mass on his kidney. Yep. No more really news than that. We don't know. Like, is this cancerous? Is this benign? What like or just what in the world is it? So that if you're Indiana, I I felt really good about them yesterday coming out of this trade. Today I don't know how to feel. Yeah, I mean, if you're Indiana, you kind of feel like you made out in this deal. Like if you felt like Oladipo was gonna walk for nothing after Which I the think summer. He was. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was reportedly asking for a trade. Um, the Knicks or something would have yeah. traded for him or signed him. Like, right. Um, so, uh, like, getting a young 26-year-old, awesome scorer, um, can pair really well next to Sabonis and Brogdon um, and TJ Warren. Like, you have a okay. real, really good core there. Um, and now this news, I mean, as unfortunate as it is, Indiana took a step back today right yeah because now you're not getting any production out of that position whether it's oladipo or lavert um which is unfortunate and maybe hopefully it's benign and he can come back this season but it definitely hurts indiana's chances of being like ultra competitive in the east because they were that sneaky like maybe they finished like a top five seed in the east this year with how everything's going and if they can just keep Sabonis on the floor it feels like they can really just keep the offense chugging um, through him and so now you're right just to get no production out of the two guard spot i mean maybe they can insert lamb in the lineup or mcdermott but then one obviously a downgrade there but then two who's playing those guys minutes right now. who's backing them up who's coming off the bench to give that spark to the team sure so now it's like pacers all of a sudden and with warren already injured um it's like man the perimeter offense just went from you know at least enough to it's just malcolm brogdon like that's all (laughs) yeah right now yeah and if you haven't i mean you've watched some pacers stuff this the last week like malcolm brogdon's been freaking awesome this season yeah he's like uh, like an analytics tracking like he's like top five mvp candidate out of like nowhere which isn't like a real thing but like it's just kind of incredible that's like where the stats are showing him as and i think I mean, Sabonis is kind of like the lead initiator there. Yeah. And so I think taking that off of Brogdon's plate and letting him be a cutter, a driver, like just open shooter, like find it, letting him just be the, because he's obviously one of the smartest guys in the NBA, like just literal, he is the, one of the smartest guys in the NBA. He can see the floor so well. It's like, let him pick and choose the crevices and spots he wants to get to and Sabonis will find him. Yeah. And so I really like the way they're, they're pairing those two together this year. So I, I think that's something you can still continue to build off of even without a really legitimate starting two guard. But it's just like, okay, there comes a point, though, those guys have to go to the bench and get a drink. Right. right? Like someone else just has to play some minutes. Yeah. And so that's where it really starts becoming a concern is like how much Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday can we trust, right? So that's, that's where I'm a bit more concerned with the patients. I like the trade itself. Yes. Again, that's not the problem here. It's the unfortunate situation Levert is in that's creating an unfortunate situation for the Pacers. And then lastly, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers here <clears throat> stealing Jared Allen <laughs> and Torian Prince, mostly Jared Allen from the Brooklyn Nets. Just finessed. Yeah, just an absolute incredible like out of nowhere. We've been yelling about this Jared Allen thing like should never be a bench player, should never have gone to summer league last year. Let's that's start so with that. Um and now he's in Cleveland, which 
I hope he's the starter. <laughs> I hope he's not coming off the bench. With we don't have to five centers. yell about this. I like this for the Cavs. I was talking about this off air. If you have Jarrett Allen, uh, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland, you have something there in Cleveland, right? You have at yeah. least a solid base uh, to build off of. It's not necessarily that's a championship core, but that's definitely something you can like, point to and be like, we're making the right steps here. Yeah. We're moving in the right direction. It's not just... Colin Sexton throwing up a whole bunch of shots, and it looks really bad. Uh, the Cavs have been one of the best defenses in the NBA this year. I don't know if that sticks Probably so much. Probably not, um, but... Allen definitely helps with that, right? He can anchor your defense on the back end and protect yeah. the rim at an I mean, extremely he's been well, incredible level. this year. Yeah. At it. And, yeah. I mean, it's not like he wasn't incredible. His past years, he's getting that full opportunity and, like, in a situation to shine with the, with the net so far. And so now it's like, okay, going to Cleveland... Are you playing him with Andre Drummond? Like you can't do that, right? The spacing just gets jacked. I mean, it already kind of is playing like Javale and um, and others. They've had Larry Nance playing like the yeah. two three at times, which like <laughs> no wrong. Like I like Nance, and he he's definitely shown an increased ability to shoot the ball. But like Thon McCurs get uh, was getting minutes, and it's just like, and he got waived um, <laughs> as a part of this deal to make room. But it's just like you know. At, at what point does the multi-center lineup just, like, it's got to end at some point. Yeah, that's not even mentioning, like, Kevin Love getting minutes. Like, right. obviously, like, Love can space the floor a little bit, but you have definitely overlap there in talent and, like, the rebounding ability of both those guys. Or even if you're putting, like, Drummond and Love in, those, those were roughs for spacing, spacing yeah. as well. Um, in theory, like, Love and Allen or Nance and Allen or yeah. Nance and Love. Like, in theory, like, those three kind of work, maybe maybe drummond and one of the nance or love but like I, drummond just seems to need the ball a bit too much to yeah. for for my liking they i mean not that he can't pass because he's definitely shown some passing ability but then it's like he makes one nice pass and the next play he does one too many things <laughs> and like throws up some garbage that <laughs> that play i don't know if you Against saw Memphis. it <laughs> yeah i tweeted out from the account it was like me i'm pretty good at i think i'm pretty good at basketball me actually playing pickup and he's like throwing up a shot and it goes backwards, backwards. somehow yeah which is just incredible um yeah i, I like i think this is a, definitely a signal that the Cavs have found their center of the future they're not going to bring back andre drummond in the offseason yeah it was definitely reported um that the Cavs were pursuing Jarrett Allen in the offseason this past um, offseason, and the Nets were just like, we're not ready to trade him yet. You know, and they knew they'd probably need him for yeah. a deal like this. And so when the they needed a third team in that original deal, the, the Cavs were an easy call then for, for Brooklyn to, to get them involved, knowing they wanted Jarrett Allen, um, and they wouldn't have to give up too much to get him. And then to take on Torian Prince is like, yeah, that's fine. We'll take him on, whatever, probably flip him later. Um, I think that was smart. And so, yeah, you got to pay Jarrett Allen this summer if you're Cleveland. But that's fine. Who else are you paying? Right. Especially with Drummond coming off the books um, and his $28 million deal. So I, I think from a team-building perspective, I like it going forward, like you mentioned. And from like an on-the-court, giving Con Sexton a legit pick-and-roll partner. Yep. Like, like someone that can really put pressure on the rim in terms of like that vertical leaping i think will be huge because if teams now have to not step up quite as high on sexton and they he has more space to operate and maneuver i think that'll help if even jared allen and darius garland are running some pick and roll i mean if anyone goes under then darius garland should have just the ultimate green light yeah to pull like right like they're still not really trying to make the playoffs who knows? They might sneak in as a ten in the East this year, but like they're really still not trying. So like they should give Garland that kind of green light, like get him up. Um, and the second teams start having to, the center has to help, and the guard fights over the top. I think Garland's a decent enough passer to find Allen on the roll, and Allen's shown a propensity that even if he has a short roll, yeah, he can kick it to the corner. Yep, like right, he can find Isaac Okoro or Colin Sexton out there. So like it's fine um, if you got to do that. So I like from even a you know on court perspective like let's really help our guards these young guys who need to develop give them a new look some new options here that they really haven't had so far um outside of larry nance who's again improved but there's a difference even between larry nance who's like six eight 
yeah, he can fly for sure. But and then a Jarrett Allen who can really protect the rim and give that lob threat. So I really like this for Cleveland. Hundred percent. And even if like you attempt to make the playoffs this year, if you're Cleveland, like make that push. You don't feel like you have to take a high draft pick as a big man now. Like no. you can kind of explore some wing options, which and, is kind of needed. And this draft again, doing some some dives into it already. Ton of young wing depth. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys in that six four to six nine range that you could go after, and you play around with where Okoro is slotted in the lineups and. So there's there's plenty of guys like that in this draft. Um, if you're picking eight or if you're picking fourteen, so yeah, this is this is one of the few times we'll say Cleveland really smart, really really smart here. Well done. They're not just like a dumpster fire. Yeah, um, probably because Dan Gilbert's not making so many decisions. <laughs> so any any final thoughts here, Ryan? I have one last question I, I forgot to ask, but. Uh, it is Brooklyn favored over Milwaukee in the East now. I still have to say no, because I think I agree. I think when it comes down to the best player on the floor, I think it's Giannis right now, and between those two, and that's saying a lot because Kevin Durant has been really good, and I just think that they don't have an answer for Giannis. Like, who's really guarding Giannis? Like, if. Kevin Durant tries to guard Giannis. Like I feel like Giannis is just gonna put him in the rim every single time. Could uh, definitely happen. And that's not a knock on Kevin Durant. It's just that Giannis is a Greek god, essentially. Yeah, right. Like like he's he's huge, and uh, it's a tough defensive assignment for anybody. Right. Um, I just don't think that. I mean, even if the Nets run into a team like the Miami Heat defensively, like how how do you stop someone like? Um, Bam out of bio, like right from doing his thing. Um, there's a lot of questions defensively still with this Nets team, and I would put them behind still Milwaukee. What about yeah. you? What are your thoughts? I think it's I think it's close between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is a pretty actually decent gap between Brooklyn and whomever then as three, whether that's Boston or Philly. Um now it's close with like then Boston, Philly, maybe Miami. In the Miami example, like Tyre Hero, still has got to guard somebody though. Yeah, <laughs> he's good. Tyler Hero has got to guard James Harden in that so, scenario. Probably. Um, good luck on that. Like Boston and Philly, both would still definitely make that series interesting and yeah. very challenging. Um, I still think Brooklyn would be the favorite though. I think with Milwaukee, the advantage is like they probably know what they're doing together a bit more as a team. But you know, give it four months, and maybe Brooklyn's really got to figure it out. I wouldn't be shocked if. Brooklyn and Milwaukee met in the you know Eastern Conference Finals and Brooklyn won, but I think at this point right now I think Milwaukee still has to be even if it's slight the favorite in the East. Yeah, for sure. And I mean that's not even throwing Philly. Philly looks good early yeah. on in the yeah. year, um, but I mean it's what fifteen games in, twelve games in, whatever it is. Sure, um, on the team. Yeah, and you know. There's a long history of Philly injuries uh, with guys right. missing time. So there's you, still a question mark around that team. You like Boston. It's like, okay, again, some of those guys, someone's got to guard Tatum. Right. Someone's got to guard Brown. Right. So, like, there's still those questions, but that doesn't feel quite as daunting as Giannis yeah. in, in any of those scenarios still. Yep. 100%. All right. So, Ryan, who's your league pass watch this week? Our favorite boy. It's got to be the Dallas Mavericks because Luka is not only on a hot streak right now, but Porzingis is back. The yep. Unicorn's back in the lineup finally. Made his debut the other day. Um, which is exciting for the Mavericks. Uh, and I want to know if they're what I thought their uh, ceiling could be this year or if it's just a, kind of another sneaky, feisty playoff type of team. Quick aside, they should really go try and get P.J. Tucker. Ooh. should really try and go get pj tucker um i like that one though i like that one what about you so for me actually playing dallas um tomorrow on sunday is the chicago bulls so kind of going out on a limb here with the bulls who are a uh whopping four and eight so far this year um now like none of their losses are to like trash teams unless you consider atlanta a trash team which kind of do um, like they, so they lost like Atlanta, Indiana, Golden State, Milwaukee, Sacramento, who's kind of trash, but, um, Lakers, Clippers, 
OKC, they definitely shouldn't have lost that one in overtime the other day. Yeah, but, they... <laughs> but again, OKC is trying, like, weirdly not tanking now. I don't know what to do there, Ryan. I don't know either. I, I mean, that's a night where Zach Levine puts in seven threes and scores, like, 35 points. Yeah. And they don't find a way to win. In overtime. Uh, Kobe White, our boy Kobe White, just yeah. absolutely balling so far this season, yeah. which is exciting. Uh, they just can't defend. <laughs> Definitely cannot defend. Uh, um, Markkinen looked good at first, and then been out, and Wendell's looking good. and But again, still not really providing the defense they needed. Yeah. So, a lot to figure out there. And so, their, their next four games, so Sunday, Monday, Friday, Saturday, are at Dallas, home against Houston, at Charlotte, home against the Lakers. If you told me Chicago goes 0-4, I would 100% believe you, and that would leave them at 4-12. and And someone's hitting a panic button in Chicago. And whether that's we're going to start trading, whether that means we're going to bring guys in or we're going to start selling, you could tell me it both ways, and I'd believe you. Even if they win the Houston and Charlotte games, they go 2-2. Two and two. Okay, they're still sitting at 6-10. and 10. Not feeling great, not feeling maybe terrible it's again it's the east it's like you have, you can make it up but i don't know some some seats might start getting hot in chicago way way sooner not for billy but for some players yeah i thought they would yeah the chicago piece has been really interesting to watch not really develop as much as i thought it would this year i was high on them and- they just have no easy games in their schedule like because even after the lakers it goes boston memphis Oof. portland Oof. Two Knicks games, two Magic games, and a Wizards game. That gets you through February 8th. Like, are you stealing one against the Knicks, one against Orlando, maybe Washington? It feels like you need all, like, six of those games to yeah. kind of, like, swing your way. Right. And so, like, as much as you're 4-8 now, you could be 6 and, like, 20. Yeah. Like, by mid-February. Not good. Yeah. Top uh, top three pick right there, Sim. Like, and oh. the Mavericks, on the flip side, I didn't read their schedule earlier, but they have the Bulls. Uh, they're home against the Bulls. Travel to Tampa to play the Tampa Raptors. That's so strange. Uh, <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> then they uh, travel to Indiana to play the Pacers. Uh, then they are back in Texas and San Antonio to play the Spurs on Friday. And then Saturday, they're at home against the Rockets Man, uh, to, end, to end out their game. Half the reason I picked the Mavericks to watch was so I could watch a Spurs game. They, hey, I watched the Spurs play the Rockets the other day and the, when the Rockets actually won that one. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, that, that was, was a really close fun. one. It was like a one-point, two-point game. Yeah, Keldon Johnson balled out for San Antonio. We love, we love the San Antonio Spurs again on this podcast. We do. We do. Well, that's all we got for episode 97, I think it is. Um, I don't know. After 97 of these, I guess right. they all get a little mixed up. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back next week for episode 98. Unless we go MIA like Kyrie Irving. TBD. Yeah.